All right, everybody, it is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, and we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, We give you tips on how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Crypto 101 podcast. Uh, Bryce here from sunny San Diego, having having a great time, just got off... Uh, a nice lunch uh, with my in-laws and uh, Pete's. How are you doing over there in uh, Austin, Texas? You're surviving. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Just got back from Columbia. Had an amazing time over there. Uh, very jealous of their weather. Yeah, you it's did the whole cold, Cosmoverse rainy every day, thing, huh? I did. I went to Cosmoverse and I was very, very impressed by so many long-term builders in the space that have conviction mm. in their beliefs that weren't going to waver no matter what the West of the world, the West, there's a, a funny pun, no matter what the West or the rest of the world does, True. they're going to be building an ecosystem for their vision of the future. And well aligned with that mode of thinking is our guest today. Yes. Why don't you go ahead and introduce him? So I, w- I was going to say, even before we hit record, I didn't even get a chance to, to run it by Sam. So I, I might run a risk of uh, looking a fool here, but Sam, I don't know if you recognize me, but we had dinner in Japan in 2019, uh, right after the team summit. And this is when you were still with uh, Theo and the boys over at Everpedia. And so as I was kind of, you know, going through and studying Frax a little bit, I, I was like, I know this guy. He told me in January of 2019 that he was setting out to build a decentralized central bank. That's you, right? I'm not yes, being sir. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah, I wanted. I want to see if you were gonna keep going because, like, yeah, you have, you have photographic memory. It's uh, amazing. And yeah, I do remember. Um, my memory is probably not as good as yours, but uh, yes, indeed. Like uh, my history is before I was at Everpedia. It's a decentralized uh, wiki encyclopedia on the blockchain. Um, Theo is is still running it. In fact, there's a, a new version of that coming out on uh, Ethereum uh, and Polygon, which is going to be pretty cool. 
Um, but yes, indeed, you're totally right. Uh, I've, and you did been... it. And, and that's what you're building now. I mean, literally fast forward, what is it? Three, four years. And uh, now we have Frax Lend, we have Frax Shares, Frax Swap. And this is your brainchild. This is your baby. And I, I want to kind of dive into, uh, you know, the deep end with you, because I think it's going to be a, a really great conversation that we get to have. But before we do that, I, I do want to hear a little bit about just for the user or for the for the listeners that have never heard about you before. They don't know your background. Let's just catch them up. I'm, I remember, you know, UCLA and, and all sorts of stuff with. Uh... Yeah. So um, my name is Sam. I'm the founder of uh, Frax, which is a fractional stablecoin. That's where the name comes from. Uh, my background is uh, from UCLA. I got into crypto while I was in college around 2013, 14 ish. Uh, seems like a long time ago now. Um, I originally remember hearing about it with a couple of friends and I kind of got into proof of work mining because like that was kind of all there was to do um, back then, right? There was like uh, Bitcoin uh, forks or Litecoin forks, right? Script, uh, proof of work mining. I remember one of the first uh, weeks that Dogecoin came out, I was uh, <laughs> mining that as, as well. Um, and after college, I uh, started Everpedia, as you said, with uh, Theo and a lot of my uh, other colleagues. And it's uh, that's been going well. Uh, like like I said, they're releasing a new version uh, out for um, Ethereum and and uh, Polygon. And in 2019, as as you also uh, photographically very well uh, remember, <laughs> I don't know how uh, I do. You're sometimes. almost like a Wikipedia of like <laughs> the crypto history. This is and, like the, uh, episode 450 or something. Uh, yeah, well, it's and, not uh, every day someone says we're going to create a decentralized central bank. Yeah, I remember the vision was so it. big and so bold, and uh, I was just so impressed because I mean, you guys were deep in the EOS team as well, and. Uh, some of the smartest developers in the space, but anyhow, I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with, uh, with Frax, I think just part of my own view of the crypto ecosystem, because I've been through a lot of these cycles, seen a lot of, uh, this stuff is I thought that stable coins, uh, were going to be, uh, the, one of the largest, if not, uh, the largest, you know, part of the, the crypto ecosystem. And one of the things I always say that I think resonates with people is I think there's $3 trillion uh, parts of, of cryptocurrency. And, and one of them is Bitcoin. The other one is Ethereum. And then the last one is stable coins. And what I mean by that is I think uh, Bitcoin represents kind of the ethos of crypto as uncensorable, scarce digital asset, right? That kind of entirely open Pandora's box for, for cryptocurrencies, right? It just started pretty much everything, right? And Ethereum uh, started the, the concept of, you know, Turing complete general computation around kind of a, a shared state ledger or shared state you know, computer, right? And that was, in my opinion, as revolutionary as, as Bitcoin itself. It's a multi-trillion dollar uh, vision of, of crypto in the future. And I think the last one is, uh, you know, non-custodial, truly decentralized, uncensorable, stable currency. Uh, my personal belief and, and kind of what my formative views are that like motivate me is I don't think that um, fixed supply assets uh, like Bitcoin or like Ethereum, right, are going to be the best use of a unit of account or currency. I think they're going to be incredible technologies. They're digital assets, they're good investments, right? Like I'm clearly saying they're uh, multi-trillion dollar uh, market cap potential uh, in crypto. But I think that there needs to be currency, right? There needs to be, mm -hmm. and by currency, I mean something that keeps your purchasing power 
uh, and standard of living stable, right? And what, what do we care about in terms of uh, standard of living, right? We're human beings. We care about uh, food, energy, medical care, uh, rent, right? All of these things, entertainment, all, all of these things, right? And, and like now there's a lot of uh, collective consciousness uh, and awareness of like, that's basically the CPI basket, right? Which is yeah. what the, the dollar should should be tracking, right? Um, but in, in terms of, you know, that kind of ideas, I, that wasn't that popular. Like you're saying that, that yeah, idea nobody was, was talking about this. Yeah, yeah nobody exactly, wanted to be in right? stable coins at that point. Everybody was like, stable coins are useless. Who wants to be in the dollar? Do you want, and, and because the applications weren't built yet. I mean, so stable coins had no kind of place to go. It was like you either in tether you're in, I mean, USDC wasn't even a thing back then. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. like also just like the word DeFi wasn't really a thing in 2018 or 19, right? right. It was like the bear market after the ICO uh, craze and, and things like that. Right. And I think that's what really motivated me to get into the kind of stable coin space and, and the essentially the stable currency space as, as mm-hmm. of part of crypto. Right. And I still think, and, and I think people are starting to finally <laughs> agree with me that uh, the the third trillion dollar market in in crypto is stable coins, right? And and so you could you could cast a wide net around that. Whether it's you know, well, is it the the, the dollar uh, pegged stable coins mainly or no? Is the is the dollar kind of uh, you know like former generation of unit of account? Is there going to be a new unit of account that's like uh, going to be this century's kind of like dollar uh there's obviously a lot of debate and ideas about that but the, just the general concept of stable currency on chain is uh as important in my opinion as as bitcoin and as ethereum as like just to, as just a foundational concept it's a trillion dollar uh idea and so that's why i always think it's like top three things and so going into it uh, about frax frax is um what i call a fractional stable coin um, and that's where the name comes from, Frax. And the idea behind it is that it has multiple stability mechanisms. Before uh, Frax, there was like fiat coins, and then there was also MakerDAO's DAI stablecoin, right? Which was over collateralized um, on chain. You, in order to mint DAI, you had to put like you know two dollars of ETH. You know, if you mint one DAI, right? Or if you right. want to mint like a thousand DAI, you have to put up like two thousand dollars worth of Ethereum, right? And if the price of Ethereum slowly goes down, right? Uh, it gets taken from the smart contract, liquidated to buy back die to always keep the price generally stable around a dollar. Um, we thought like stable coins on chain should be more like capital efficient, meaning like there's different ways to actually generate fracks. There's different ways to keep it stable, like protocol own liquidity. Yeah, um, no you know, this kind of the huh. No single point of failure there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No single point of failure, but also like a mixture of different ways to expand the uh, the money supply, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, the one of the main criticisms with like uh, over collateralized models is basically this this lack of ability to increase the the money supply, right? When when there's actual demand for for currency, right? If if you think about it, there's literally uh, the only way to generate an over collateralized stablecoin is either by you know, wrapping it with a with a fiat coin, right, or by creating uh, leverage uh, for ETH, right, over collateralizing ETH and gener- uh, generating DAI. And so, basically, we thought of these different kinds of modules and mechanisms to keep Frax stable, such as protocol and liquidity and curve and Uniswap, uh, algorithmic parts of the supply, which is like increasing and decreasing the uh, amount of 
Fraxin in the open market by backing it with partly FXS and uh, also just doing a lot of uh, protocol lending, right? Which is the same thing as kind of uh, lending Fraxin to Aave, Compound, and all these different things. And recently, you know, we, we launched our own uh, decentralized lending market, FraxLend, which is powered by a lot of uh, Frax stablecoin lending. So that's kind of the, the uh you know the the background there and things are things are good things are growing really fast and there's a lot of stuff going on so a lot of people sometimes say oh it's so hard to keep up with everything there's like frax lend frax swap there's frax stable coins there's also the fpi stable coin which is uh one of the first stable coins that's pegged to the cpi right the, that basket of uh consumer goods so it's a it's essentially an ecosystem and i actually like to call it more of uh an, an economy rather than an ecosystem because i think if uh, you're trying to basically measure the usefulness of a currency, right, how much it's used and, and things like that, it's more important to have an economy that has debt denominated in it, that has savings denominated in it, that has people holding it, uh, rather than kind of, you know, saying it's an ecosystem or like there's a lot of, uh, you know, community and things like that, because you can actually just concretely measure an economy, right? Like in terms of either GDP or debt denomination, uh, volume and, and things like that. And I like to call it the Frax economy, right? Instead of the, the Frax ecosystem. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of things going on, just like there's a lot of things going on in a, in a diverse uh, economy and ecosystem. So things are good. Love it. What are some of the ways users can participate in this economy? Yeah. So uh, the, the main way is Frax is extremely DeFi uh, native. And so um, we don't do anything off chain in terms of like any, like the protocol does not hold any assets off chain. Uh, it doesn't do any like market making off chain and things like that. For example, you know, uh, Terra, which everyone uh, probably knows is, was like famous for doing a lot of these like market making things on centralized exchanges and, and these kinds of things. Frax doesn't do any of that. Frax is more similar to MakerDAO in that everything is on chain. It uses smart contracts. You can see, uh, where the collateral is, where the assets of the stable coin are. Um, and so the best place to really um, do kind of low risk participation, like staking, uh, yield farming and, and things like that, you can do that in our own gauges, which are these like farming contracts. You can do it on Curve and Convex. These are uh, really big parts of the Ethereum uh, DeFi ecosystem. Frax has a really large uh, presence there. And those are just kind of the ways to get started, right? Like if you have uh, Frax stable coins or other dollar peg stable coins, there's a lot of Frax pairs you can stake, you can get yield, especially in this kind of market. And, um, you know, obviously none of this is an investment advice or anything, but they're fairly low risk in terms of they're just stable coin uh, staking and they're in uh, Curve, right? Curve is, is, is a blue chip uh, DEX in there. Um, but again, um, after the, everything that's gone on in both the industry and, and the greater financial uh, system, you know, macroeconomically, now that this is investment advice, it's still uh, pretty pretty risky. But you could get started on on uh, yield farming. You can uh, take part in FXS staking. We have a system called VFXS. And uh, generally, if you just go to actually app.frax.finance, it's a really really comprehensive uh, front end you know, dashboard system. It shows staking yields. It shows different places. You can uh, trade fracs, LP fracs, earn yield in fracs and FPI stable coins and everything like that. Has this been um, easier or harder to accomplish than you originally thought it was uh, when you set out? Um, I think it was definitely uh, 
about as hard as I thought, but not for the same <laughs> reasons. Um, Let's hear it. This, Let's hear it. So, so yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think anyone that says, "Oh, we're you know we want to create like a trillion dollar stable coin uh, it, in in the crypto market," you know, um, it thought it would thinks it was easy, but for different reasons. I think um, one one important thing is that there's this thing called the stable coin uh, trilemma. And uh, this has been a pretty hard uh, thing to, to tackle effectively. And this is actually one of the largest challenges. So for people that don't know, um, Vitalik coined the term blockchain uh, scaling trilemma uh, a, a while ago, which basically means there's, there's this kind of triangle where you always have to seemingly uh, give up one leg of the triangle um to scale a blockchain and all three parts of the triangle are really desirable for a blockchain it's like decentralization um uh, uncensorability right basically like mutability and security right security means like it, you can actually be sure the new blocks won't get rolled back and, and things like that right and so the idea behind the uh, vitalik scaling trilemma is like if you're trying to scale a blockchain you can like make the blocks bigger or something but that makes it less de decentralized right because no one can run nodes or if you make it uh, more decentralized than the throughput and, and, and the actual scalability goes down, right? So you can only have like two out of these three. There's a, there's a stable coin scaling uh, trilemma, which is basically like, uh, it's, it's like decentralization on one end, uh, collateral on, on the other end of the triangle. And at the top, it's like the peg uh, tightness, like the resiliency of the peg. And the idea behind that is, is like, if you like, have well, a state, like the peg, meaning the, the stable coin is going to remain pegged to $1 or one euro, exactly or like one peg inflation adjusted a dollar or something. Exactly. Like, like peg performance. So you have this triangle for stable coins, which is like peg, uh, you know, collateral and decentralization. Right. And, um, and the idea behind it is like, it almost seems like you have to give up one of these things because if you uh, if you have all decentralized collateral, uh, right? Like for example, LUSD does liquidity, right? Also like Terra kind of did because it was technically an, another, you know, crypto token and things like that. Usually at best you can get it to kind of LUSD, which wobbles a couple of cents around uh, a dollar or Terra worst case, it just implodes and, and goes know, to zero. Yeah. $40 um, billion or, dollars wiped off yeah. the face of the earth. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, or you can kind of have it where, um, it doesn't have decentralized collateral, right? It's like, it's like a fiat coin, right? And it's, it's not decentralized. Uh, the collateral isn't, but the peg performance is top notch, right? If you just have a bunch of, you know, us treasuries or fiat in a bank account, uh, the peg's never going to wobble, right? I mean, but, but like you always have to worry about decentralization and, and things like that. So, um, I didn't know. Uh, I don't think the industry kind of really had the idea of like the stablecoin trilemma, but that is, I think, one of the largest uh, challenges, right? If you're trying to get a stablecoin to hundreds of billions of dollars of, of market cap and then eventually uh, trillions, right, in the next like five to 10 years, then uh, this trilemma is, is pretty important, right? It's like, what what do you do? There hasn't been really a solution. Obviously, we're trying to tackle it in, in Frax's own unique method, but there hasn't been an objectively agreed upon way to solve this, right? It's like, it's either fiat coins, right? Which, um, you know, you always have to worry about blacklists or what new regulation might come and maybe like, you know, holding fiat coins won't be the same depending on what uh, Congress or other countries and things like that pass. Um, and you might have to worry about, you know, being blacklisted or not able to hold it, or you have to try to, 
uh, hold slightly riskier stuff. Um, hopefully not though, but like as risky as UST, or if you hold like less risky stuff, the peg still wobbles like LUSD, which wobbles a couple cents around the, around the dollar. Right. And so this, I think is the main challenge. So, so to answer your question, this has been, uh, something that I think is pretty, uh, concretely defined in the stablecoin space, but you know, people didn't know about it, uh, you know, two years ago, three years ago. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tell us a little bit more about Luna. You mentioned it a little before, and it seemed like everything was going along great until it wasn't. There were a couple really careful eyes that tried to give us some warning signs a little bit ahead of time that there were potentially some flaws in the system, but uh, the exploit window was like so small, it was like the little air shaft on the Death Star. They're like, ah, no, that's no big deal. It was the heel uh, of but, Achilles. Yeah. A tail as old as turns time. out. Exactly. But it turns out it was a big deal. Was Luna just a flawed system that was doomed to fail, a house of cards just waiting for a wind? Or was this a deliberate attack and an exploit to drop an entire ecosystem that maybe was a competitor? What do you I mean, think? I, I don't know about the, the you know, conspiracy theories of like whether it was an attack or them or whoever, but I think it's really important to, to highlight uh Frax, actually, the reason we call ourselves a fractional stablecoin and we named it Frax and, and stuff like that is our view was that purely algorithmic stablecoins entirely uh, don't work, right? Before we launched Frax, there was this thing called Basis, um, which they never launched, but their idea was these like other bond tokens and other share tokens. And um, they, they basically were one of the uh, leading like algorithmic stablecoin like theories of how how like an algo stable should work right and the idea with frax is we have a lot of hard assets frax is backed uh over 92 percent by literally hard assets over collateralized loans kind of like maker other uh stable coins and, and things like that and when and you say hard assets these are um they're still volatile assets right because they're ethereum they're you know some other... of them are other stable coins uh okay. their protocol controlled liquidity some of them are yeah ethereum which is over collateralized uh loans the same way as maker right um they're basically a mixture of different kinds of uh assets but they're not uh they're not like um you know they're not 
just other tokens from the uh, Frax ecosystem, right? Some of it is algorithmic, right? Which is basically that uh, part of the supply that's basically stabilized with uh, FXS and, and things like that. But it's very small, very, very small. The whole point of Frax is that you can't do this, right? You can't start a stable coin. You can't start a currency that basically has no uh, exogenous collateral. And I think uh, people kind of wrongly assume that, you know, because uh, Terra imploded or something, um, any kind of design that's not either a fiat coin or like uh, entirely over collateralized will like never work, which is clearly not true, right? Frax has never broken its peg, uh, even a single time in its existence. And uh, we, while we call ourselves a fractional stable coin, I think uh, people um, have thought of it as a, another algorithmic design. But I want to stress that I think a lot of people, including us, uh, and honestly, I think even the, the Terra guys uh, towards the end, um, they knew that, like, look, you can't back something by itself. Right? That's why they started the LFG fund, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly. They tried to, because their whole system, it was all endogenous collateral, right? Like, you know, the price of Luna, which minted, you know, UST, those were so intricately combined and there was nothing else there. And then they realized so they raised $10 billion to go make markets essentially. Um, and it just didn't work. Um, that was a, it was kind of just out there for, for anybody to target, right? Anybody with enough money to, to kind of, uh, drain that fund, if you will, by, uh, taking them down. And that's kind of what they did. Um, it was pretty sad to see, but has Frax ever been targeted? I know you guys said you never lost your peg, but have you guys ever kind of like fought off an attack? No, I mean, like, that's the thing. We just realize, we just assume that everything is always adversarial, right? Like, mm. for example, one of the things that um, we we basically always uh, make sure that our designs and everything uh, can withstand is, like, if every single uh, unlocked, you know, like, frack stable coin that's owned by users, right? Like, people that actually want to come and, and redeem uh, and get a dollar of value from the protocol smart contracts, uh, can they do that? Right. And, and the answer is yes. So like right now you can actually, you know, don't take my word for it. You could go look at the smart contracts on, on chain. If every single Frax stable coin that's owned by users or being staked or something uh, was withdrawn. Right. And then they were either sold into the protocol's own liquidity. Right. Like the, the collateral that the protocol has uh, or redeemed. Could all of them get back uh, a dollar of value? The answer is yes. And you don't have to trust me, right? The good thing is we don't say, oh, you know, the, the collateral is like with a market maker or it's with like... There, there's no Celsius or Voyager or BlockFi yeah. type of risk where there's, there's hypothecation. Exactly. And all sorts there, of... You don't have to take our word for it, right? Like per, just, you know, check the trust, chain. but then verify, right? You could go and take a look. In fact, people did this. In fact, that's why Frax never broke its peg in, in May, June and, you know, July during those like crazy weeks and stuff because uh, people could see it, right? People could say, okay... Uh, everything is, you know, going to shit everywhere, right? Um, do we get out of this thing? Or like, is, is everything messed up here? And a lot of people ask that in our community and things like that. And um, the reason things didn't go bad is one, A, they, they couldn't go bad mathematically, but then if, if enough people uh, understood that, right, and they could confirm it on chain, then there doesn't have to be this like crazy panic, right? Yeah, because there can't be a run on the bank or there doesn't need to be a run on the bank because you can see the the assets, they're publicly verified and attested to by all the different nodes. And so you're not going to have a, a Lehman Brothers or a Bear Stearns crisis, or even more so kind of as a central bank, you're not going to have 
a, a Bank of England sort of, you know, run on the bank or anything because, you know, people could actually see what's collateralizing the debt. Yeah, it, it almost feels like it, it's like um, it, it almost feels like in order to, you know, not have a run, you need to be able to prove that a run can't happen. Right. right. And in fact, my own view is like the, the second that and this is just general banking uh, in, in terms of like everything is like I think the second that it's verifiably clear that there can and and there can be a run like there's like not enough uh, like uh, assets to back like liabilities of like either stablecoin issue or something else there will be one like the probability mm -hmm. as the market like that information goes into the market the probability of a run goes to a hundred right it asymptotically right. reaches like a hundred percent and so I think that's why it's really important um, to be able to actually have these kinds of like on-chain proofs and, and like honestly I'm actually a pretty big proponent of uh, the regulation that says that stable coins need to, um, you know, uh, publish their reserves because we will automatically, like by definition, like FRAGS complies with every possible, uh, you know, regulation of, of, of uh, publish, even though it's not an entity, it's like it's decentralized and everything like that someone can just publish it in a structure that's like, you know, pings the smart contracts and, and actually just looks in it and, and structures it like a balance sheet or something or whatever the, the like exact requirements are. But like every single second uh, or every block, right, every 10 seconds, uh, Frax is actually <laughs> auditable, right? Like the balance sheet is entirely exactly. uh, auditable. So I'm actually a pretty big proponent of whenever people ask, oh, what about stablecoin regulations or are you scared of this or that? Um, obviously, I'm not uh, a proponent of like restricting things or, or like banning certain kinds of uh, stable coins, but I'm a very, very big proponent of um, the, the, the reserve disclosure requirements, right? I, I think that that's, that's required. I think the fiat coins are too, right? Even though it mainly targets mm -hmm. them because like they can't attest to off-chain stuff, but I think they, they also want greater transparency. And so, so do we, because we automatically actually uh, comply with it de facto. Love it. So cool to know the guy who actually built finance the right way, just cruising along uh, no matter what the world throws at you. So with Frax already being a robust economy, is your vision of being a decentralized central bank complete or do you still have more work mm -hmm. ahead of you? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's never, <laughs> there, there's never going to be uh, a time where it's uh, complete. So the main thing is that the way that I look at it is in, in DeFi and in like a digital economy, there's usually like three um, fundamental pillars and everything sounds like a triangle, but it's actually because there's, there's a lot of things that are uh, come in, in threes. And so uh, I call it the, the Trinity uh, stack, which in my opinion, it's like stable coins, lending and liquidity. And um, Frax right now is the only uh, economy or, or basically uh project that has all three of these uh, things in-house, right? If you think about different stable coins or different AMMs or, or lending marks, they usually have one or maybe two, right? Like for example, Maker has the stablecoin DAI, right? And then they have their over collateralized lending system for minting it. So that's two. Um, they don't have like any kind of AMM or swap facility, right? Um, Curve uh, if you if you notice recently, they announced their CRV USD stablecoin. So they have a swap facility and an AMM, 
And now they finally are, are releasing their second one, right? The, the, the CRV USD stablecoin. And uh, same thing with Aave. Aave started out as a lending uh, protocol, one of the largest in, in DeFi. And recently they announced Go, which is their uh, stablecoin that will work inside of their, their lending system. So now they have two as well. Frax has Frax stablecoins, Frax Lend, and Frax Swap. So we have all three. And my personal view is that uh, it's going to be very clear that these three things are part of the same stack and the, part of the same scope. So the larger these uh, blue chip protocols get, the closer they will be in kind of completing this trinity, so to speak. And and like lending and, and stable coins and, and uh, stable coins and, and on-chain swaps, they're all the the same thing and they're not as separate as uh, the early kind of crypto DeFi space uh, would would like you to think. Um, in fact, for example, like you don't see people say uh, why Binance is, uh, is, is both in the spot swap market, right? As well as the like leverage and, and lending market, right? And, and like, why does Binance also have BUSD? Why don't they only concentrate on, on like spot swaps or something, right? Everyone in their mental conceptual framework, they, they're like, Binance, centralized exchange, okay, uh, stable coin, spot exchange, uh, lending and like leverage and things like that makes sense. I think that that kind of uh, stack also is going to form in in like one coherent product or economy uh, on chain. And I think whether you know projects know it or not, if they're like you know consciously moving towards it or not, it's kind of a law of nature in DeFi that'll kind of congeal into that. And that's what we're seeing with with Ave, with Curve, uh, with Frax, with all three already. Um, and we're a little bit ahead of the game, but that doesn't mean we're we're definitely gonna uh, win. We just have to keep shipping, and it's it's never done. Yeah. How many, actually, I was going to ask uh, something else, but that made me think like how many people like on a monthly basis are, are working on the Frax economy? Is it you and a few buddies or is it being kind of developed in, a, in several countries by several different players? Yeah. Um, well, the Frax like de developer and, and core team uh, is actually pretty small and lean, but in terms of the community, it's actually very, very huge. Um, so we, we've given like grants that, that are voted through governance. We've uh, people have been working on like dashboards, projects, integrations, and all these things more than I can, you know, even count. Right. And, and so, uh, the community is very vibrant. It's across multiple, multiple continents. Um, the, the developers that are working on kind of the, the Trinity stack and, and the core products are, are, are pretty lean. Um, we're actually growing pretty quickly, but one of our strengths is that Frax actually, uh, is, is quite, you know, profitable in terms of like revenue as a DAO and, and protocol compared to the cost that it has. Um, I think, you know, Maker, for example, has something like maybe a hundred, uh, you know, um, I think they call them core units or like paid contributors or, or, or something like that. Uh, Frax only has about eight to 10 of them. And, and like we literally build and ship all of these things uh, from basically one tenth the size. Now, obviously, our community is is thousands and thousands of, of, of people, and then there's um, tens and hundreds of them building uh, integrations and and things like that, dashboards and 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 stuff like that. But the core open source contributors uh, that make a lot of this happen is much more leaner than than the you know average uh, you know blue chip protocol like like Maker and you know, other ones, I'd actually love to see some kind of comparison. I think we're in terms of core, uh, you know, 
people that are that are paid by like the DAO, it's pretty lean. It's, it's extremely. That's why we've actually been able to be very nimble. Um, obviously, we haven't like cut people because uh, the everyone is extremely uh, useful, and and the, the the amount of shipping we do per person, I think, is probably the highest in the industry. And you see all these things it's like a good ratio to track. <laughs> yeah, and and like exactly, I'd love to I'd love to see um someone do like an analysis of like the size of DeFi blue chip protocols. I think we'd definitely be up there, if not like probably number one in terms of efficiency. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Um. I, I was going to say, you know, there, there's lots of different ways to skin the cat. You're doing it a lot differently. What kind of like, what would you say like motivated you to start the whole Frax economy? Like, was there something personal in your life that, that made you want to go after it? Or was it just, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a finance and programming wizard and you just needed to have an outlet? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I, I've been in crypto for like a pretty long time now. And um, I... I think that the more I, I thought about it, right, the, the more that I realized like Bitcoin and, and fixed supply uh, assets like Ethereum or things like that, that are more like investments, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to solve crypto's uh, vision of, of having decentralized currency. They're going to be great investments. They're going to be scarce digital assets. But my personal view, and some people call this like a, a stablecoin maximalist view, um, <laughs> is that the the currency of any economy needs to be stable to a standard of living. Um, th that's why uh, you know the the dollar is supposed to and always trying to track the CPI, right? That that's why that if if you if it's not right, like like currently in, in, in the past years and stuff since the pandemic, uh, people are starting to rightfully be like, yo, you know, you know what the heck and and stuff like that. So. I think my views as they've gotten stronger about currency, the more I've realized uh, we can, uh, with Frax and, and, and the entire economy we're building, we can actually solve that, that part of you know, crypto's vision and, and ethos. So it, and it's proving to be more and more correct, in, in my opinion, at least, as the, the more I see the industries, uh, stable coins are becoming a bigger part of uh, crypto, part of finance as a whole. You know, the talk about stable coins and their extremely unique and valuable importance in the industry is growing day in and day out. I think uh, in the next six to 12 months, um, stable coins are going to continue to be more and more relevant. In fact, uh, my own view is that the next generation of stable coins is going to be something like uh, the FPI, which is what we're working on uh, at, at Frax as well, which is um, currencies that are on-chain, they're, they're non-custodial, they're, they're decentralized, right? And uh, they're not pegged to a, a national currency unit of account, so they're not pegged to the dollar, the pound, or, or like the euro or anything, but they're pegged to a basket of consumer items that keep your standard of living the same because like that's what's uh yeah. important at the end of the day right if you think about the us dollar one way to think about it is like the cpi is the peg and then the inflation rate is the deviation of like the 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 peg of the the us dollar right like how much inflation there is the more the the peg is off right so like one way to think about everyone arguing and worried about inflation on on twitter and in the news and stuff is basically uh, pretend the dollar is a stable coin and then pretend like everyone's tweeting like, oh, it's, it's depegging or like, why is it uh, <laughs> off, off from the peg? Like uh, the devs, Jerome, do something, Jerome Powell, like uh, <laughs> your coin, right? And uh, I think that once people collectively start to think about it like that, they can think, okay, well, why don't we actually release like a completely uh, 
rethought stablecoin that's actually just pegged to the the consumer price index or a basket of consumer items have that governance on chain same way that crypto does governance and, and entirely does it on chain and peg it to those things rather than the dollar which is as a proxy pegged to uh the the cpi basically trippy trippy stuff sam uh man there's there's so many different areas that we can take this um but i i think we should wrap here for now i got like kind of a last closing question um and it's like out of all the other people that you've developed with and kind of come across uh other projects all that kind of stuff who's one guy or girl that's really impressed you um that's a good question i mean there's a lot of really impressive people uh in crypto and i think I haven't, I haven't developed with him personally, but I think something that everyone probably agrees on or the vast majority of people is like Vitalik is a really, really good guy. And, and like in terms of ethos, he really does represent the, the good of the space. Other people I've, I have, uh, you know, developed with or worked integrations with, uh, the curve devs are, are always very uh, top notch. They've been in crypto for a long time. Uh, convex, uh, those guys are, uh, very long-term oriented. They're, they're absolutely great people. The Olympus Dow guys, um, they're actually very, very long-term oriented and, uh, they're doing some great things. I think it's important to realize the stuff I personally think about and like look for is positive sum mentality, which is mm. actually not as, uh, abundant as people would think. And the idea with positive sum mentality is like, you don't want to think about competition as much or like how to take other people's uh, you know, piece of the pie, you want to try to think about how to grow the entire size of the pie, right? So, so that generally wealth and value increases rather than you taking other people's value and like yours, maybe like net increases, but the real way to, uh, think about how to advance the industry forward, but just, uh, everything in, in the world too, is how to actually create value. Cause you can create, uh, wealth, right? You can create economic productivity. You can create uh, things that are good for everyone, including yourself and your project and things like that. So the, you know, the projects that I personally think embody that, you know, are Curve, Convex, Olympus, Dow, obviously Vitalik, the original, in my opinion, uh, positive sum uh, guy in the space. And there's a, there's quite a few of them, but personally, I always try to live uh, that ethos, especially when, when doing stuff at Frax and doing partnerships and things like that. Positive sum sounds like a great name for a new podcast. <laughs> yeah let's do it <laughs> yeah let's wrap it. absolutely sure. love it <laughs> sam thank you so much for coming on to the the crypto 101 podcast uh where where could people find you online they want to follow you after this we'll link it in the show notes but uh give a quick shout out to the show yeah the of course i'm i'm on twitter and uh telegram all the time literally even when i'm working uh or, or everything i always have uh, a tab of Telegram. Everyone knows how uh, responsive I am both in the Frax community. And so all of them, uh, Telegram and Twitter, they're just my name at Sam Kazmian. Also uh, at Frax Finance, both Twitter and Telegram. Uh, it's pretty vibrant, huge community. So hope to see you there. Love it. Thank you so much. Talk soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.